I'm Reed Smith. I'm Charlie Coast. I'm Ryan Eftron. I'm Gene Herman. I'm Asher Maxwell. And you're listening to 440 Views from the Hill. Today we are going to be discussing China, but before we uh, go on to that, we are going to answer another interesting question just uh, to explore political beliefs. The uh, question is, which world leader uh, currently in office is your favorite? Um, I will go first. Uh, My answer is Olaf Scholz. He is the leader of the Social Democrats in Germany, and he is most certainly going to assume the uh, position of chancellor uh, replacing Angela Merkel. Gene? Uh, I'm going to go with Scott Morrison, the current prime minister of Australia. Uh, I'll go with Pedro Costello, the current president of Peru. I'm going to go with Emmanuel Macron, the current French president. I would choose Alexei Navalny, who is the current opposition leader in Russia and an anti-corruption activist. The first thing that we'll talk about today is Taiwan. According to Taiwan's defense minister, tensions between China and Taiwan have reached their worst in 40 years. Recently, President uh, Xi Jinping said that reunification with Taiwan must be fulfilled. He also noted, though, that it should be done peacefully. So our question for today is, how should the U.S. respond? Um, I think the United States should maintain the status quo. Uh, I think that that is the most likely path to avoid war and the most likely path to reserve Taiwan's independence, which should be the two um, biggest priorities for U.S. foreign policy. I think that the threats that uh, President Xi and the Chinese have been delivering are hollow threats. You know, China has been saying they want to reunify with Taiwan for years. They've never taken any hard action. Uh, I think the only thing they would be worried about is if the U.S. suddenly changed its policy to be more aggressively in defense of Taiwan. In that case, China might be aggressive. Uh, So I think the number one priority we should have is to kind of maintain the status quo, dismiss the issue, try not to emphasize Taiwan, and try to just protect its independence, but not protect it in a high-profile way, because that would allow China to save face. In all honesty, I think the the CCP is not serious about their attempts to reunify with Taiwan. I think they're more serious about preserving their economic growth and preserving their status. Uh, And I think that the public displays of... um, uh, or their public threats that they're going to reunify with Taiwan are purely purely, um, just trying to What's the word? Posture. Purely posturing. Uh, I actually largely agree with Asher here. I think we should keep our current commitments to Taiwan in order to maintain that deterrence of China. I think the threats that Xi has laid out are largely just uh, posturing uh, because they've been saying that for those 40 years that Charlie talked about. And they've never actually reunified with Taiwan. I think... When Xi says that it should be done peacefully, if it will happen, though, it won't be peacefully. And I think in that case, the U.S. should respond to that invasion. But I think in the status quo, the U.S. should maintain its commitments and continue the deterrence that exists right now. Yeah, so I guess I'll go next. I disagree. I think the U.S. should abandon Taiwan. I think it's a domestic issue between two Han states, one of them being a settler colonial state, the other one being uh, China. 
Uh, I think it's effectively just an extended civil war. It's not something the U.S. needs to be involved in. The entire existence of Taiwan as an independent state has been propped up by American imperialism. The issues with our conflict with China is built around that. While, like, the people of Taiwan, the majority support not reunification, it's under- worth understanding that a good portion do like uh, the idea of reunification. And there is a like path towards peaceful. I don't necessarily think that's the best thing because I understand why they would want to self-determine. But ultimately, I think their existence is as an American proxy and that's antagonizing China. Well, it's probably true that China's actually threats through like posturing in terms of their threats. I think that's further proof of why we should abandon them because it used to be functionally very hard to invade an island nation without massive international scrutiny. Like, I, I think that that's more evidence of why we just need to leave. Uh, so I think even though President Xi has really expressed more of a peaceful uh, reunification or that he wants a peaceful reunification, I think China's actions um, in the past decades, they've made huge investment into the Chinese military. And e- even recently now, the People's Liberation Army, uh, they've been sending their aircraft really close and, and into the uh, Taiwanese uh, air defense identification zones, which that really kind of is a, is a threatening move uh, towards Taiwan. And even if it's not prompting, or it's even not a prediction of a like full-scale military invasion, it still is an aggressive uh, behavior, which really is, is, is creating these tensions. And I think the U.S. has to respond um, to expansion, like Chinese expansionism. We have to say that this is not something China can do. Um, but I think it's not worth risking an all-out confrontation with China that could turn nuclear. Yeah, so I don't want to belabor the point here, but um, I, t- I tend to agree with Asher and Gene and Charlie. Mm-hmm. Ryan, you said we thought you think we should abandon Taiwan. Um, if if we are if our policy of maintaining the status quo is capable of preserving both democracy and freedom of Taiwan, why would that not be a desirable situation? Uh, well, I think it's the fact that like we shouldn't be. I just fundamentally don't think we should be intervening in other countries' affairs. Like, I view Taiwan as a Chinese affair, even though, and that's a domestic issue between two rival Chinese powers with separate, with one group that wants separation, the other one that doesn't necessarily. So, to me, while you're right that, like, sure, maybe we're preserving, like, liberal democracy uh, within Taiwan, which has a lot of flaws in Taiwan. It was an incredibly authoritarian nation for decades. And even today, they have, they suffer from some issues along those lines. Um, I think that, like, that's a major issue and I also think that the risk of preserving like Taiwanese democracy or whatever is much lower than like you know actually making sure that in the event that like China does something aggressive and the US responds that escalates to actual major war I don't think that's worth it I think that like the United States needs to engage in drawdown and I think through that China will be less antagonistic towards even places like Taiwan because they will no longer perceive it as a US proxy so close to their border um, Ryan, I have a question for you. So uh, take away all of the democratic aspects for it. Do you not see any economic implications that could affect the U.S. domestically? If you're asking me to support, like, this, the reason that we should prop up the Taiwanese government is because we need semiconductors. I think that's the root of the problem that, like, ultimately our, like, economy is so connected to our war machine that, like, Apple and like a bunch of tech companies are like, hey, we need to make sure Taiwan exists so we can have good access to like the largest semiconductor industry in the world uh, so that we can like preserve Taiwan that way. 
which I think is like a kind of messed up way to view things that it's very imperialist. It's very much just framing things to like how the U.S. can equally economically benefit through through exploitation of other nations. Uh, in addition, like we trade a lot with China anyway. I don't really think it'd be that big a difference. Uh, to respond to Ryan's earlier point, uh, when he basically defends an entirely isolationist policy, I think that can sound really nice and pretty in principle. It can sound like it would be a great world where we no country intervened in other countries' affairs. But I think to some extent the U.S. does have an obligation and American citizens and other Western democracies do have an obligation to at least attempt to allow uh, independent – uh, countries to maintain independence from authoritarian regimes. And I think that letting the to letting Taiwan, the Taiwanese people, fall to the authoritarian and brutal regime of China would be a uh, humanitarian catastrophe, and it would be directly the result of U.S. policy. Well, I mean, they, with that, to your point, like, yeah, I don't think the PP, the the like Chinese Communist Party is a good regime. I also think there's a lot of problems with the current Taiwanese regime. I'm not endorsing that. I'm just saying that, like, the idea that somehow the liberal democracies are, like, this, like, well, shining city upon a hill that we need to prop up to other nations, I don't think is good. Okay. It's two methods of control. Both of them are bad. I don't There, There is a huge difference between saying that Taiwan democracy has some flaws and Taiwan is as bad as China. Unquestionably, the democratic government that guarantees freedom or some extent, like, a, a substantial amount of freedom to its people is better than the Chinese Communist Party, which actively... The Chinese you know, Communist Party has some of the highest approval among its own people. Oh, it's raised more poverty than any other country in the past like 40 a, years. I have a lot of problems also, with it. I think it's authoritarian. I think it's oppressive. I also recognize <laughs> its success. Okay, well, th- but there's a difference between what it's done for its people and what it would do in the case of Taiwan. Taiwan which is, is already an economically developed country. Yeah, you're right. But in the end of the day, it's a Han settler colonial state that's a colony of what we think of as mainland China. There's a difference between, I guess, the economic benefits that would happen to Taiwan and the fact that the pe- people of Taiwan would lose all of their freedom. Well, there is a I reason. Mean, 30%, 30% of the legislative yuan is the pan-blue coalition, 30%, which means they support reunification or at least cooperation with the People's Republic of China. 30%, that is a good... Even 30% is right. not 50%, and 50% governs a democracy. Just because the minority of people in Taiwan want to reunify with China, that does not justify putting the other 70% I obviously agree with state. you, but one, I can't miss... Like, again, I'm not trying to do whataboutism here, but I think trying to defend like any liberal state is not a police state or not as like authoritarian and oppressive at times is wrong. And so, bad. one question for you, Ryan. Is it more desirable or less desirable to live in Taiwan or China? Or I don't Taiwan think it's desirable. To, I, if you're asking me personally, yes. I think you have a point. There's more civil liberties within Taiwan. I, then, then I think that's it. You know, No, because you're still – it's not America's job at, to prop up these countries. It's still an imperial extension. And you're ignoring the part where I believe in cooperative foreign policy, that the a lot of the conflict within the U.S., Taiwan, China – is, in my opinion, a response to how the United States has propped up a major rival right on its border, like if you, uh, across the sea. Um, that's obviously something that makes China very angry and antagonistic towards the island. In addition, we need to understand the century of humiliation in this context, which for explanation, uh, it's a term that comes about under Maoist China where they say basically for a century between uh, Western imperialism and Japan, China was decimated. Uh, and now they're being 
strengthened again was the sort of idea around that, that they view things like Hong Kong, Macau, uh, and Taiwan as theirs because they were wrongfully taken and been allowed to set up incorrectly as a legacy of imperialism. So I think the idea of like somehow antagonizing China is going to stop them from pushing for reunification is the opposite of true. One last point here. There is a huge difference between intervening in a country's internal affairs, which would be an example of like... The you mean US, the thing we did for decades on, with Chiang Kai-shek? Hold on, hold on, let me make my point. The, the difference is between like the U.S. trying to prop up prop up opposition groups within China. That would be which a we huge also do. issue. Well, hold on. This, we're talking about Taiwan right now, right? The, there's a huge difference between that and trying to to allow the self-determination of an existing democracy. The people of Taiwan do not want to reunify with China and us selling them arms and us providing them defense uh, or defense commitments is not some evil act where we're intervening in Chinese politics because it's not Chinese politics. It's Taiwanese politics and the Taiwanese have both want and accepted our uh, protection. Okay, so like... A lot of the history of the Taiwanese in the way they perceive things has to be understood in the context of decades of propaganda by an authoritarian Kuomintang regime led by Chiang Kai-shek. He was brutal. He was murderous. He was awful. And that legacy has led to where there is this, like, sure, continued acceptance of American support. And I understand the want for self-determination. I don't oppose self-determination. At a certain point on the self-determination issue, this is a difference of strategy, not a difference of of opinion. I think that cooperative foreign policy is the only way to maintain, like, a stable global system. You think antagonizing China is the way to go about it. And I still disagree that you aren't recognizing how – Taiwan is Chinese. They have their own, like, sure, they have their own want for self-determination now. And they, that is a fair thing to express. But we also need to frame it through how it is a Han settler colony. I don't, I don't understand how you can, def- like, criticize Taiwan as a settler colonial state at the same time argue that China should be able to take over Taiwan because it was originally, because okay. it's, it's originally its people. No, the Taiwanese are an independent country. They're an independent people and they should be allowed to maintain their independence. The U.S. is not, I don't even, even, if the US, even if it makes China angry for the U.S. to get involved in Taiwan, it's not like we have some obligation to keep the Chinese happy more than we have an obligation to keep the, the Taiwanese happy. All right. Now that <laughs> we've gotten that, uh, exchange to some sort of resolution point. Um, we are gonna, I, I do have another point or another point of debate I'd like to bring up, which is that in the time of attack, so it, let's say that China does move on Taiwan, what should the United States do? Should the United States come to Taiwan's defense and risk war with another nuclear armed power? Or should we abandon Taiwan recognizing the risk of the war in hopes that China would not take that and be aggressive elsewhere? So I guess we'll do a lightning round answer really quickly. Um, I think that the United States should not come to Taiwan's defense and risk war. Gene? I think the United States should engage. What does that mean? Militarily? Yeah, I think the United States should prevent the the reunification of Taiwan by violent means by China. Okay. Okay, me, one, I don't think there's actually a possibility of invasion. I think it would never work, even without American support. They already have too many weapons in Taiwan. It's an island. It's too hard to invade, I think. Two, the U.S. should abandon, engage in, like, and we should view it through a lens of grassroots activism against U.S. cooperation with Taiwan with China at a point of which they invade. Uh, so I think this is really that's a difficult one to answer. Um, I think we probably should not risk war. Um, it's just it's that's a really big risk, and I don't think it's one that the U.S. should take. <clears throat> yeah, I agree with Charlie and Asher. I don't think we should be uh, risking war with China. In any respect, although I do think we should try to make uh, take every action.
possible to prevent the invasion from happening in the first place. But um, once it happens, if it does, then we should not engage violently. Yeah, okay, to get the debate going briefly, Jim, why do you think we should come to Taiwan's defense if it gets, if it's going to risk war? I think if we don't come to Taiwan's defense, it is very likely that China, Russia, other powers see that and go to other countries and invade or uh, take actions because they don't think the U.S. is going to respond. And that risks war much more than, like, the strait does. Can you, like, point out some hotspots, like... Like the SES, I think all of our okay, al- so, uh, alliance commitments, uh, Crimea, Ukraine. They already controlled Crimea. Like, Eastern Ukraine is just neo-Nazis anyway. Like, what's the issue with just, like, abandoning the South China Sea? Like, what happens post-China like China control within their own, like, waters that are basically theirs compared to ours? I think that if we abandon Taiwan, we abandon Taiwan. But I think if China takes action in other places, thinking that we won't engage then we will actually engage and it will actually cause war. And a much larger war than just the issue of Taiwan, where China will just send a few ships across the strait. I mean, I think it would require a lot more to invade Taiwan, but... Actually, I, here, I, actually, I, I, I kind of agree with Gene here, because I think this might be China's test for like their, their expansionist aspirations. If I, they get Taiwan, do they then think that, hey... We can expand to the South China Sea and we can just keep expanding. I think it's a contradiction to say that China cares so much about Taiwan that they'd be willing to risk everything for it and then say that Taiwan is only a test for them. I think that if it is true, which I think is incredibly unlikely, that China is going to risk war with Taiwan, um, then I, I don't I don't think you can also say that you know Taiwan is just a test for their further ambitions. I think that what what would actually happen if they were to invade Taiwan is that this would be their one issue for them. Like, Taiwan is the issue for China. And in that case, I don't think that they would take the our abandonment of Taiwan and suddenly think that we're not going to defend South Korea or Japan or that South Korea, invading South Korea or Japan makes any sense to them. Yeah, in addition, in the context of Taiwan, because of that whole thing I've been talking about with, like, reunification and the way they perceive it as their own core territory, there's definitely a unique, like, sacred commitment to Taiwan compared to, uh, like, the South China Sea. I just don't think Taiwan is actually the issue for China. They've been saying they would invade for decades, saying that that's the only time they're going to act militarily because it's so important to them, doesn't answer the reason why they haven't invaded for the past 50 years and I think that's the problem with that point of view is that China claims that it's their sacred commitment, that it's their key issue, and then they don't do anything about it and just threaten to take it over. Okay, so I have a question for Asher. Um, a few episodes ago, uh, you stated your opinion was that we should not be trying to build a democracy in Afghanistan. But now your opinion is that we should be trying to do so, or at least support it in Taiwan. Um, do you see a contradiction there at all? I think there are two key distinctions. Uh, the first one is that in the case of Afghanistan, we were occupying Afghanistan. Our soldiers were there. We were essentially running the country. In the case of Taiwan, we were literally just selling them arms sales and then telling them that in the event of a chi- Chinese invasion, we would come to their defense. So there's a distinction there because in that case, we were literally just providing them with tools, essentially, versus actually trying to occupy their country. The second thing, and I think the most important thing, is that in the case of Afghanistan, we were pretty much not wanted by the Afghan people, or at least definitely the majority of the Afghan people, which made it 
which made that policy and our occupation essentially an assertion and a um, uh, of, of our values on a country that did not want it. In the case of Taiwan, Taiwan is full on board with the U.S. They they want our support and they would really do a, they they're really grateful that we are uh, defending them. So I think there's a distinction between you know the United States being a colonial power or kind of being an imperial power in Afghanistan and the United States um, coming to the defense of an ally in the case of Taiwan. Do you, so do you see Taiwan as a big enough power to be considered an ally? Um, well, I don't really know if it matters how large a country is to be considered an ally. Well, as opposed to, I mean, as you put it, more of a colonial role. Well, I think the distinction is not in the size of the country, but the fact that we are not occupying Taiwan. Okay, so I think the comparison between Afghanistan and Taiwan and our commitments to both of them are really not comparable. I think that Afghanistan, we were physically there. We were physically occupying it. It was a major policy point for the last 20 years, but it was also a policy point that uh, there was bipartisan support to end it. There was a lot of people in the U.S. that wanted to get out of Afghanistan, and while I think that our withdrawal was incompetent and we could have done it better, we could have not done it, I think there was a lot of things to fix, it was something that a lot of people agreed that we should leave. Whereas with uh, Taiwan, there's a lot of U.S. voter sentiment that we should incur a significant risk to defend Taiwan from China. And the U.S. military, uh, the U.S. public supports military action to defend Taiwan. So I think there's really, there's a difference there um, with, like, the U.S. public support towards it. And, yeah. Yeah, so, to me, I think Reed is, like, worth pointing out that there is a comparison to be made here. And I think it goes back to the idea of democratic promotion or not. And I think there is more to be said in terms of how the U.S. has supported and propped up Taiwan. I'm going to quote from uh, Michael Parenti's Black Shirts and Red, which is a fantastic book. In the pursuit of counter-revolution, in the name of freedom, U.S. forces or U.S.-supported surrogate forces slaughtered uh, 35,000 in Taiwan when the Kuomintang military arrived. Official sources either deny these U.S.-supported mass, uh, mass murders or justify them as necessary measures that had been taken against an impeccable communist foe. Anti-communist propaganda saturated our airwaves, schools, and political discourse. And to me, this is a reflection of how imperialism exists both externally to prop up these countries like Taiwan, which is being propped up like how we've propped up Afghanistan and through like the brutal Chiang Kai-shek Kuomintang regime, which eventually developed into some propped up liberal democracy and the U.S. internalization of the need to like reject and fight and like radically oppose these communist states. So, so Ryan, I, I have just more like not a response to you, but kind of a kind of taking that notion of, of propaganda, like you said, and I think that actually applies to the Afghanistan Taiwan situation is the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan was a propaganda point for the CCP. They're like Taiwan. Look, your your great ally, the U.S just left somewhere like they left one of their great allies so you know they might leave you so i think that's kind of had taiwan um has shaken them up a bit has really made them think hey we have to look at our our relationship with the u.s and has i think led some taiwanese politicians to try to secure more u.s support well in the event that you're right that china is propagandizing to taiwan i think that that Hopefully what that would do would just make Taiwan develop their own defenses and the U.S. would no longer be involved in a domestic 
conflict effectively. Um, but like, yeah, it, it, to the degree that there may be like China using that, like, it, I don't think it matters. It's about, you know, maybe Taiwanese politicians are upset, but what are they going to do? Go drive their military at China? They're not stupid. Like, yeah. I, I just don't think it matters if we abandon it. I think both of them are just examples of imperialism. Both of them involved us trying to build like democracies. Uh, and one of them, we did it relatively successfully. The other one, it failed massively, but both were brutal. Both of them were propped up and both of them were done in the name of some de- like destruction of some other, just replace communist with terrorist. I do have to disagree though, with your characterization of this as like a domestic conflict between like a nation and its territory. Cause I think that might've been it. Like, 20, 30 years ago, but I think now it's really morphed into an international conflict. That concludes episode 3 of 440, Views from the Hill. Stay tuned for new episodes in the upcoming weeks. We would like to give special thanks to Mr. Joshua Clark for sponsoring this independent study, Mr. Henry Diggins for assisting our recording progress, and Jack Keller for our theme music. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.